This series, Manage Your Practice Like a Professional, is sponsored by GPN Technologies, the company that created EdgePro, the eye care industry's leading business analysis software. EdgePro provides you with easy-to-use reports on your practice performance so you can make smarter, more profitable decisions and truly manage your practice like a professional. To learn more about EdgePro, visit www.edgeprosoftware.com. Welcome to Manage Your Practice Like a Professional. This podcast series is produced by Review of Optometric Business and features Dr. Michael Kling, CEO and founder of InVision Optometry in San Diego and also the founder of Impact Leadership. In this segment, we talk about contingency planning, how to plan for the unforeseen in many different areas of a practice. Dr. Kling, it's often said that man plans and God laughs. Things happen in life, and as plan as we might, we can never get in front of all of those things. So this brings up the uh, issue of contingency planning. What do you advise optometrists to think ahead about in terms of what can happen on the downside of their plans? Well, thanks, Roger, for having me. You know, this is one of the more overlooked aspects to managing your practice, but it's an important part of the overall financial health. When you're thinking about building your practice, you want to think about, as you said, when things don't go right. We have had experiences where we have had floods, we have been broken into. There have been a number of things that have happened in my practice that had we not had some of those contingencies built in to the system, whether they be insurances or that, that sort of thing, we would have really found ourselves in a lot of trouble. And so when I think about contingency planning, I really think about three things. One is creating some sort of cash reserve in your practice. The second is making sure that you're adequately insured and not overinsured, because just as we can be underinsured, we can actually be insurance poor and be spending too much money on premiums. And then the third is retirement planning and some of the benefits to creating a retirement plan not only for your own future, but for the future of your employees as well. When it comes to cash reserves, how much should you have on hand, and how do you go about funding that adequate amount? That's a great question, and I don't think there's any cut-and-dry answer to how much you should have in cash reserves. You know, we're all unique individuals, and we all have a slightly different money personality, and that means our tolerance is slightly different, and so determining how much that you feel comfortable with leaving in reserve is really depending on your own comfort level. As a rule, we generally recommend that you keep one month's worth of operating expenses in a reserve account for all times and for those times when maybe something comes up that you're not prepared for. A good friend of mine, an optometrist, one time said years and years ago, the thing about optometry is we're only one month away from bankruptcy. And I always think about that because if you think about what you have in your bank account right now today, is it enough to even cover one month's worth of expenses? And for a lot of practice owners, the answer is no. They don't have even enough to cover one month's operating expenses and that you're depending on the revenue coming in, the future revenue coming in, to be able to pay those bills. And so the cash reserves become important. And so we like to think of at least one month's worth of operating expenses in reserve in addition to what you might have in your operating account. You know, on that count, financial advisors will tell you you should have an amount of money on hand so that you don't have to go to other assets. 
You might have other assets that you could draw on in an emergency, but those might be set aside in a retirement account, and you're messing that up in drawing upon them. Is that not a, a reason also to have an adequate amount of ready cash? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you've done a good job and you've created some retirement accounts and those are often come with some strings attached, and that is when you can remove that money. And so although you may have some assets sitting there, you might find yourself subject to some significant penalties if you start to withdraw that money earlier than what the plan was intended for. So having that ready cash available in an account that you can transfer very quickly and immediately is extremely, extremely valuable. So how do you go about funding this adequate cash reserve? Is this money that you otherwise might have wanted to spend on an an OCT, but now you've got to put it away for a rainy day? You know, it's like I tell my kids, every little bit counts. And so I think the most important thing that you do is you make a commitment to decide you're going to build up your reserve account. You pick a number that is your target, and then you start very slowly and incrementally contributing to that. And setting up an automatic transfer from your main operating account to a reserve account is a very, very simple way to do that. And so what will happen is that money will sweep over to your reserve account without you even having to think about it and pick a number that is not going to be stressful to your practice, but it's a significant number that will allow you within, let's say, 18 months to 24 months to be able to establish your reserve. You certainly don't have to fund that account overnight. You can take some time to do that, but the important thing is that you start doing it on a consistent basis. And remember, that money is still yours, and you can use it whenever you need to, even if you've not fully funded it to what your goal is that you set. That money is still there in the event that you might need that on a short term. So the answer is be very consistent, set it up automatically, and make it a small enough contribution so that you can continue to manage your practice without stressing the other aspects of it. You're listening to Manage Your Practice Like a Professional, sponsored by GPN Technologies, the creator of EdgePro. EdgePro works with your practice management software automatically to collect and organize more than 30 key performance indicators. With EdgePro, measuring and tracking your practice data is fast and easy. Compare your KPIs year-to-year, by doctor, by team member, or by vision plan with just a few mouse clicks. EdgePro is a critical business tool that helps you manage your practice like a professional. To learn more, visit www.edgeprosoftware.com. What about a line of credit generating a cash reserve or being there to be used as a cash reserve? If people have a mortgage with a bank, should they also establish a line of credit that they could draw on? Now, using it has some percentages they're going to have to pay back in interest, but it's a better way than going into your retirement account, on which you may have to pay taxes and penalties, line of credit. Your thoughts on that? You know, establishing a line of credit when your practice is healthy and doing well is one of the most valuable things that you can do for your practice. And if you've not done that, I would encourage you to contact your bank or credit union and set up a line of credit with them when things are going well. If you wait till you run into trouble and need the cash, it's going to be much more difficult for you to convince the banker that you're a good risk when you've already found yourself in financial trouble. So when you set up those lines of credit when things are going well, you'll be much more likely to get the credit, and they'll be much more likely to give you a higher line of credit. And then you just let that line of credit sit there. Only tap into it when you need it, but be very, very diligent about making sure that you pay that back. 
the worst thing you can find yourself doing with a line of credit is borrowing against that line and then not paying that back. Because when that happens, you're simply acquiring more debt. And that is the worst thing and the most stressful thing that you can do for your businesses is start accumulating more and more debt. So use that line of credit wisely. Establish it now when things are going well. Get it seated and ready. Set it up so you can make very easy transfers between that line of credit and your operating account. And you'll have that added peace of mind that that's there for, for you when you need it. Let's talk about insurance now. Anyone with a mortgage is required to have insurance. But how do we know if we have enough insurance? How do we assess that? And how often should that be assessed? When you own a business, there are a number of insurances that really are what I would consider of critical importance. And those are things like your so-called slip-and-fall insurance or commercial liability policies, things like that. And in addition to that, disability insurance if you have a family or life insurance if you have dependents. So there are a number of insurances that are very, very critical to making sure that your business is protected. On the other hand, you want to make sure that you don't find yourself overinsured, meaning that you're spending hard-earned dollars on premiums for insurances that might be overprotecting you. And so it takes uh, the expertise of an insurance specialist to help you navigate on exactly how much is the right amount, which insurances are important to covering and protecting my business, and which ones can I possibly do without to make sure that I'm well protected but not overextending on the premiums. You know, most people are probably familiar with insuring a home, and the rule there is that it should cover the replacement value of the home. Is it different for an office where you may have complicated and expensive or leased out equipment, for example? Well, most of the insurance policies for your business will cover some sort of accidental coverage in the event that somebody gets hurt in your practice. And many times they will have a combined policy that will also cover the equipment and supplies and furniture within your business. And so under one policy, you'll have the protection of so-called slip and fall coverage, but also the added benefit of protecting the assets that are within your business as well. And how often should you be reviewing your insurance policy? And what can you ask of your insurance representative? Have them work for you in doing an analysis? You know, because most of the time we pay these premiums on an annual basis, that's generally a good time to just take a step back and look at where you are on all of these policies. Maybe do a little price shopping to see if you can be more competitive Ask for a better price. If you've had another year where you've not had to submit a claim, use that as leverage with the insurance company to see if you can negotiate some better prices. So I think at least on an annual basis, more frequently than that, it's probably not worth the amount of effort that you would put into it because it's unlikely that you would be able to negotiate a better price midstream. But at that annual renewal, when you now have some leverage to potentially take your business to another insurance company, it's a great time to just take a look at where you stand with all your insurances. We've talked about insurance on your business and umbrella policies and so forth. What about malpractice insurance for optometrists? Well, malpractice insurance is mandatory, and so the only decision you really have to make is how much coverage do you want. And there are generally a couple of different policy sizes, and so there's really not that much that needs to be decided for professional liability insurance. It's obviously very important that you have that coverage, but it's fortunately also a relatively inexpensive investment for optometrists 
and so the premiums are very manageable for the most part. So professional liability is just a fact of life. We have to have it. It's a matter of how well protected you want to be. You generally have a couple of different options. But then again, because our profession has such a low rate of being sued, it's possible to, if you're not careful, to get overinsured, but also you want to be careful that you have your, at least your minimum coverages. Let's talk about the third leg of contingency planning, and that's retirement planning. Tell us about how benefits factor in employing other optometrists and staff and how you should view retirement planning both for yourself and for your entire practice. You know, retirement planning is really an untapped opportunity in your practice if you're not offering a retirement plan for your staff. Your ability to be able to put money aside, not only for yourself, but also for your employees is a very nice benefit for your employees. It also gives you some leverage to be able to attract better employees. If someone has the opportunity to work for you in your practice and you've got a very nice retirement offering that your competitor may not be offering, that gives you some added leverage to attract some of the better employees. There are a number of different retirement plans that are available to business owners, and it's somewhat outside of the scope of this conversation to get into those, but it's fairly easy to contact your financial advisor or an insurance broker to learn what those are. And those give you, as the business owner, a lot of leverage and a lot of opportunity to put back even more money for yourself and your own family than maybe you possibly would be able to otherwise. Is optometry still a good profession to be in in terms of retirement planning? What's your outlook? Optometry is a fantastic profession. There are so many advantages to this profession that I can't even begin to to get into all those, but I will tell you that my personal outlook is very positive on the profession. I think the one thing that we do need to be aware of and change our outlook on is that the value of our practices and the idea of selling our practices as our retirement plan is probably not a good idea. And what I mean by that is that if you're not looking at other sources of retirement investing outside of just selling your practice, you're probably going to run into some shortfalls. In other words, the practice valuations have been steadily declining. And so if you've depended on selling your practice as your exit strategy, it's probably time to rethink that and start utilizing other retirement avenues to make sure that you've got the resources that you need for later in life. So selling your practice is still part of your exit strategy. It just is not the entire be-all, end-all of it. I don't think it certainly isn't going to get most of us, no matter how big your practice is, it probably won't get most of us to that finish line that we want or need to be at just simply by selling the practice. It's going to be a nice added bonus at some point to sell that practice. But for most of us, I don't think it's going to take us to where we need to be for ultimately a comfortable retirement. We want to thank Dr. Michael Kling of Envision Optometry in San Diego for contributing to this podcast series, Manage Your Practice Like a Professional. We thank our sponsor, GPN Technologies, the creator of EdgePro. Having EdgePro means your data is always up to date and available on any device. All the information you need to run your practice like a pro is always at your fingertips so you can focus on making the critical decisions that will grow your practice revenue. Let EdgePro help you run your practice like a CEO. To learn more about EdgePro, visit www.edgeprosoftware.com.